It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, September 14th, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Governor Mike Dunleavy will not mandate Alaskans to receive a vaccine for the coronavirus if one becomes available, the state health commissioner said Thursday. Department of Health and Social Services Commissioner Adam Crum described the governor's position during a virtual town hall meeting. There will be no mandatory vaccination from the state side. This is going to be made available to individuals who want this. Crum says the state has a team that is working on a plan to allocate vaccines around the state if they're available. There is no mandatory vaccine in the state of Alaska for influenza and nor will there be for COVID. Uh, It's not something that the health team is recommending or the governor will allow. State epidemiologist Dr. Joe McLaughlin says fewer than half of Alaskans received a flu vaccine last year. He's aiming to raise that level to two-thirds this year. The state does require several vaccinations for students to attend schools. It allows exemptions for health and religious reasons. Angoon has extended its emergency travel order until further notice in an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19 in the small remote community. Angoon's mayor officially issued the order two weeks ago following the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the community and believes it's important to keep it in place. KCAW's Erin McKinstry has more. Angoon's travel order requires visitors or residents arriving in Angoon to fill out a travel declaration form and to practice, quote, extreme social distancing measures for two weeks. That includes staying 12 feet away from anyone outside of their household, wearing a mask at all times outside of their home or lodging, and avoiding businesses in public places. The order excludes those traveling for critical personal needs or for critical infrastructure. The Admiralty Island village of around 450 people has reported 11 total cases four of which are active, according to a nurse practitioner at Angoon Search Clinic, Sarah Lang. At a recent emergency city council meeting, she said all of the cases are part of the same cluster. Hopefully everybody understands what a cluster is. They're all related to one another in some way. Some members of the Angoon City Council opposed extending the order, citing concerns for residents who have to travel frequently for work or health care or for employees that don't have leave and may lose their jobs if they have to stay home. The council discussed possibly using CARES Act funds to help. Mayor Joshua Bowen said he understood the economic pressure, but also urged everyone to remember the health and safety concerns. We, we got to think more of what, what can we do to help prevent this, this COVID-19 from affecting more people in our community than it already has. How to manage outbreaks of the coronavirus in small, remote communities like Angoon was discussed at the weekly meeting between reporters and top Department of Health and Social Services officials. Epidemiologist Louisa Castrodale said that smaller communities may have fewer cases than cities because of smaller populations, but that doesn't mean there aren't challenges. Because there's sort of smaller units, sort of smaller family units and and opportunities for interact, um, it could be really difficult to keep things um, sort of to preserve somebody's confidentiality and to um, not generate a a lot of real concern um, with one individual. Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, said another challenge is that national guidelines don't always translate to small communities. Instead, they often have to come up with their own models for managing the coronavirus. You're being asked more and more on a national basis to be sharing uh, what many of our small and rural communities have been doing to protect themselves because they've just been doing amazing work. She pointed to examples like rigorous airport testing and culturally relevant guidelines that take things like lack of running water and overcrowded households into account. 
you know, isolation, quarantine are hard enough to understand when we're like talking and reading CDC guidance all the time, but it means something totally different when you live in a family of 14 people in a house. And so I think making sure that you're finding really culturally meaningful, relevant ways to translate both the guidance uh, as well as the recommendations. Angoon's order is in effect until public health officials mark all of the town's cases as recovered. Public health officials are asking community members to continue testing at least every other week. Free asymptomatic testing is available through the town's clinic three days a week. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Mary McKinstry. Ketchikan's Borough Assembly is calling on the state legislature to pass a law outlawing discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, that's following a 5-2 vote overriding the mayor's veto of the measure last month. It's impossible to talk about LGBTQ rights in Ketchikan without talking about a downtown flower shop that reportedly refused to take an order for a same-sex wedding. The move prompted a well-attended demonstration across the street from the Heavenly Creations flower shop the next day. And not long afterwards, Ketchikan's city council banned discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression within city limits. But as there's no state law extending those protections, and it's not clear whether boroughs have the authority to offer them, that leaves Ketchikan's outskirts unaffected by the city ordinance. So Ketchikan's borough government weighed in last month to try to change that. I think it's sad that this day and age, actually, it's not sad, it's a travesty that this day and age we have to make laws like this. Assemblymember Sven Westergaard co-sponsored a resolution asking the state legislature to protect LGBTQ people's rights across Alaska. To not judge a person by their acts and what they do if they're a good or bad person, to judge them by how they look or who they love, it just boils my blood. That non-binding resolution, which was also co-sponsored by member A.J. Pierce, passed 6-1. to one. But the borough mayor vetoed the resolution. Rodney Dial cited his faith and said he couldn't support a law that he said would require Christian artists to create works that violate their religious beliefs protected by the Bill of Rights. He expanded on that reasoning with a 15-minute slideshow citing court cases from across the country challenging similar laws during a borough assembly meeting just after Labor Day. This resolution was about moving discrimination around, transferring it from one group to another, because government was making a moral decision that one group's rights were more important than the others. Dial's presentation culminated with a request to add two more groups to those protected from discrimination under state law. You can obviously prove me wrong tonight. You can use this resolution to, to address the greatest discrimination in our country is facing at this moment, which is discrimination against law enforcement officers. You can add that to your resolution. The retired Alaska state trooper said discrimination against police officers was, in his eyes, by far a greater problem. Any guess what the second most persecuted group in America currently is? It's Christians and people of faith. He asked that the assembly amend the resolution to request anti-discrimination protections for law enforcement and Christians. When I vetoed this resolution, I hoped you would come back with a different document respecting the rights of all citizens, a joint statement we could all get behind, that all rights matter. That's a play on all lives matter, a phrase commonly seen as a rebuke of the racial justice slogan, Black Lives Matter. But the borough clerk told KRBD that procedural issues prevented the assembly from taking up Dial's amendment to fold in cops and Christians in the LGBTQ rights resolution. 
Public opinion on the anti-discrimination resolution was split. Through two hours of public comment, nine spoke for supporting LGBTQ protections, seven spoke out against the resolution. Assemblymember David Landis says he's consulted his Christian faith as well. He followed the meeting by phone, so it's a little hard to hear. But ultimately, it comes down to a, a legal conclusion. Um, I, was, I was tempted to search the internet and cherry pick things that, that uh, looked good to me and, and build, build a case for, for whatever. But instead, Landis quoted from an email that he said he'd received from the borough's own legal counsel. There's nothing inherent unconstitutionally, uh, inherently unconstitutional in the substance of the resolution, nor, in my opinion, in adding the requested language to the Alaska Human Rights Law should the legislature ultimately act on the Assembly's request. Assemblymember Alan Bailey initially supported the resolution for LGBTQ protections, but he had an apparent change of heart and joined member Sue Pickrell in opposing it. He said the incident at the flower shop had been blown out of proportion and that the issue of discrimination against LGBTQ people in Ketchikan had unnecessarily divided the community. That left a five-vote majority, exactly the number needed to pass the request for state anti-discrimination protections over Dial's veto. That may not be the end of the story, though. In a brief phone interview, Pickerel says she's considering sponsoring a resolution to ask the legislature to outlaw discrimination against Christians and police, just as the borough mayor had suggested. With additional reporting from Rebecca Tauber, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan. Appointments for Juno's drive-through COVID-19 testing site got booked up and its phone hotline was busy after city officials recommended that many bar patrons, even those without symptoms, get tested last week. The number of actual cases from the social event that triggered the testing rush in Juneau has been scaled back from 19 to 9. Many local bar workers attended the event. Airing on the side of caution, the Red Dog Saloon announced its temporary closure, as did the restaurant Salt, joining Devil's Club Brewing Company, The Triangle, The Narrows, and The Alaskan. Tracy Labarge owns Salt, which had only recently reopened since the initial shutdown. Then one of her employees tested positive, which she thinks was related to this outbreak. We do have to take precautions because, you know, our businesses are suffering enough and to have to close again after only being open for 10 days sucks. She says the decision itself was straightforward. I feel like we didn't have a choice. It was the safest thing to do for the employees and for, you know, the public. We don't want to be the cause of somebody getting really sick. She says it's a good wake-up call. She says she'll start requiring her employees to be more serious about their social habits. Juno's community risk level for coronavirus, despite the outbreak, remained at moderate at the end of the week. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 